Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Two hours left in the show. The night shift. Here on 610 Sports Radio, the Odyssey app. However you choose to listen, we thank you. Chris Inocero, Grant Nicholson. Man, training camp has been so interesting. I've been more excited about training camp just because there's so many questions that we have than I have in like previous years. Like last year's training camp was kind of boring because it's like, oh, we know what this guy with this team you know two years ago I was like oh we know what's gonna happen with this team they're you know they, they've got enough to go compete for a championship but this year there's a lot of question marks so I actually find it very interesting and that's why I wanted to bring on my guy from Arrowhead Pride lead analyst Ron Cop. how's it going Ron Chris it is going good hope you're having a good night too um, you are 100% right on the just all the questions right this year it just feels different you know in the years past it's still exciting but you kind of know what you had in a lot of the aspects of the team. And this year, that is not the case, man. There's so many different moving parts happening every day, man. It, it is exciting. So I, I think that it, at least this is just this is just me. I sort of, I know a lot of people have, have kind of questioned, you know, have other interests. But the most interesting thing to me about camp this year is outside of Juju Smith-Schuster, who are the most reliable receivers that this team can put out there and expect big plays from. Who do you think has probably been the biggest standout aside from Juju, who's probably been the best receiver in camp? Well, yeah, no, and I think you're right about Juju there. And and I will say, you know, coming into camp, one of the things I expected almost, you know, I, I felt pretty strong about was, look, McCall Hardman is the the only receiver returning um, from, you know, from this, this team last year, obviously. You know, he, he's the only receiver that has experience in Andy Reid's offense, the only receiver that has any sort of rapport with Mahomes before this offseason. I really thought that would that would, that would be a, a huge part in, in him becoming maybe, you know, one of the key targets in this offense too. And, yes, it is training camp. We haven't seen – you know, we've only seen it for about a week now. They just got the pads on. But um, from my observations being up there a day, um, also from everyone else saying, it just really sounds like his role still seems to be limited to a, to kind of what we've, we've seen from it in his career. And that just makes me think there's other guys stepping up besides him. So my expectations have shifted. And I really think uh, MVS has, has looked really good with his, his, his hand catching. It does seem like, you know, he, he him and Mahomes have built a, a chemistry over the middle, you know, and, and, and they seem to be doing well. But, man, the, the hype on Sky Moore is real, man. I'm telling you. Um, it, it does seem to be that he is, is making plays. You know, he's made two, you know, two or three really nice catches. You know, I've seen it myself. Um, you know, making catches through contact, making catches, you know, extending far out. You know, that, that, that's one thing, uh, you know, I, I, I don't mean to criticize Hardman too much when talking about Sky Moore, but, you know, uh, McColl on these on some of these deep passes, I've 
and you know it's just a little outstretched for him right the ball and i've seen it in practice the ball hits him in his hands he's just a little too outstretched it goes to the ground right you know, Sky Moore's laying out for those, and I just think that we haven't seen maybe that that laying out kind of thing um, with McColl as much. And and so I don't know, man. It just makes me think, you know, some one of these receivers is going to have to kind of step down in the the, uh, the kind of the pecking order. And I really thought McColl would be the one that maybe has the biggest chance to step up, but I think everyone else maybe has the has been looking like the more um, you know the the better uh, candidate to be a reliable weapon for Mahomes this year. Now I I said this about. Sky Moore on Sunday when I was on with Bink and I think like the difference between him and McColl is the fundamentals I think he's a better route runner better hands but like from a physical athletic standpoint I think McColl is more athletic than him do you mm-hmm. think that at some point we could see Sky Moore jump him in the uh in the depth chart just because he is more fundamentally sound and let's say that he's playing so well that he's even playing better than like an mvs do you think at some point he could jump him and become that number two receiver on the opposite side of uh juju see that's the beauty of how this they built this receiving core because why not right uh you look at who they've invested and you look at the money um money talks right that's who you should follow in terms of who they're going to maybe you know respect the most or, or lean on the most but no one really has that much money tied up into him. This is kind of a, a free-for-all in terms of, look, Juju's on a one-year deal. You know, obviously, uh, McColl's on his last year of his deal. And the MVS deal, it is a three-year deal. They can get out of it pretty quick. So all that to say, there, there's no reason the receiver room can, can – there's no reason it can't transition back and forth between one guy being the top guy, you know, and, and, and then maybe another guy, you know, stepping up. So just because there's not really that true wide receiver one they had with Tyreek that really demands those wide receiver one – you know, snaps, um, no one's invested in like that either. So all that to say, yeah, I don't see why, why Sky Moore can't. If he's that talented, he's looked very talented to me. You know, obviously there's going to be an adjustment, right? You know, there, there, there's we're, we're looking at training camp, right? And, and you know, it, 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 it's exciting. But at the same time, man, once he gets it down, I really do think he, he, he may be a more pure receiver than McColl, you know, almost, you know, pretty much right away. Um, I hate to say it, but McColl's role is still important, man. But in terms of just being a receiver, in terms of being – you know, uh, uh, you know, over the middle, you know, breaking a guy off on a route, creating separation and, and being reliable hands, right? That's the most important part. He's got those big hands. Yeah, I think Moore definitely has a chance to be, you know, a relied upon weapon for Mahomes. I think you're already seeing it in camp. One of the other things, I, I talked about this last segment, um, Ronald Jones, I don't think has really set himself apart from the rest of the guys in that in, in on that running back depth chart. And a guy like Isaiah Pacheco, seventh round pick, certainly just kind of came out of nowhere. The big thing about him was his 40 time. He's been getting a lot of touches with the ones now, certainly not as much as like, uh, as like Clyde or like McKinnon, but he's up there with the rest of the other guys. Do you think a guy like Pacheco could overtake Ronald Jones? And unless they, they keep four running backs, we're talking about Ronald Jones being cut at the end of camp in place of a guy like Pacheco. Yeah, it's it's a similar thing as a receiving group, right? It, it is because there's not a lot of investment in any of the running backs either besides Clyde. And, yeah, I, I absolutely could see, you know, we saw with Carlos Hyde a few years ago, right, the veteran back that comes in. We kind of think, oh, yeah, we could see how this could work, right? We could see how his skills would be used well in this offense. And by the time you get to the end of training camp, you realize, you know, that those skills can be re- replicated pretty quickly by an undrafted free agent or just, you know, and obviously in this case it's a seventh-round pick. And in Pacheco that, you know, obviously has turned heads uh, in the coaching staff because, yeah, you're right. He is getting – and what in my eyes from – I was up there just one day on Saturday, man. 
he was the second back. And, and I know McKinnon seems to probably be getting the second reps um, from what I'm seeing, you know, Pete Sweeney reporting and everything. Um, but at the same time, it's like Pacheco is pretty much a lock for this roster. And I absolutely do think there's a chance that that comes at a sacrifice for Jones. You know, they pick up Jones before the draft. You know, didn't, they didn't know what they had in Pacheco yet, uh, obviously. And, you know, that's one thing where, you know, with Sky Moore talking about the hype with him, you know, you can you can look good as a receiver, and it can translate without pads, right? I do think you, you, you can justify that hype a little more. With the running backs, you know, they are just not getting the pads. I do want to see Pacheco maybe in a preseason game, really see him, you know, like, you know, how he does bouncing off hits. Because what, what I'm hearing from, like, a guy like Pete Sweeney is that he's reminding a lot of the media members of Kareem Hunt. And if that's the case, I mean, then 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 we're really into something here. Um, and and I I will say, Chris, I uh, I comped him to Niall Davis right after the draft. So uh, <laughs> I already kind of said it on Twitter today. I'm starting to kind of feel like that maybe you know uh, may have been a bad bad call. Um, but hey, you know, I still want to see him again. I still want him to prove it. Uh, you know, against another team, maybe you know, in, in, in live reps, man. But the hype is definitely building up for him. You're right. Talking to Ron Cobb, lead analyst from Arrowhead Pride. Another big part on the defensive side is this Chiefs pass rush. It's going to be the biggest story of the defense this year. Obviously, they use their their second first-round pick on George Karloftis. They bring in Carlos Dunlap last week, and there's a lot of excitement about what this pass rush could be. I know that they've run a lot of different fronts, like had Dana move into the interior and just basically run, like, you know, three defensive ends and Chris Jones. How much improvement if any do you see this pass rush having after really the last few years kind of been pretty disappointing yeah it's it's, it's pretty simple math i would say it, it kind of has to improve um just naturally based on the pure numbers they have at the position now compared you know directly comparing it to last year you think about chris jones frank clark still in those same positions that third guy in melvin ingram well now you can rep- replace him with george Karloftis, let's say in this scenario which we don't know for sure if that's, you know, who's better in that scenario, right? We, we don't want to assume a rookie uh, is, is going to be better than what Melvin Ingram brought last year, who's very impactful. But then you add in Carlos Dunlap to that, that trio, right? You give him that fourth player. Who was the fourth edge rusher last year on, uh, in, in the Chiefs? You know, was it Mike Dana? Was it Alex Okafor? Either way, you're getting an upgrade um, with, with Carlos Dunlap, who honestly, you know, I say he's the fourth guy. He could end up being the best edge rusher, at least, um, you know, on the team. Not the best pass rusher. Obviously, Jones has that um, title. But Dunlap's impact, I really think, is going to improve the ceiling of this rush and, and definitely give them a better chance to, to get those sack numbers up. Again, I know it's been said, you know, multiple times, but their pressure rate was one of the best in the league last year. It was the sack rate that was low. You know, sometimes that's just a, in, in terms of, you know, statistical regression. You'll see that just go back to the mean, right? Um, but I do think Dunlap will help that even get past the point where, Hopefully they can get in the top half of the league in sacks, right? I think they have the talent to do it. Um, and, and, again, you, you mentioned uh, Dana rushing from the interior. You know, if Dana's your third or fourth guy, you know, that's one thing. If he's your pass rusher, I think he's a pretty solid player to, to be the fifth guy who can kind of be versatile along that alignment. So, yeah, I, I do expect the sack, the sack total to be better this year, the pass rush overall to be more impactful. And if they do decide, if they are able to generate as much of a pass rush, one of the things that we've heard so much criticism for, especially for for Spagnola, is 
how he doesn't really kind of handle blitzing very well. Sometimes he does it too much. Sometimes he doesn't do it enough. Do you think this year, especially because they do have this blitzing machine in, in Leo Chanel, do you think they're going to be able to get that balance back to where it should be? Or do you think that there it's it's going to be issues where Spags is kind of mismanaging how he goes after the quarterback? Yeah, you're 100% right with Spags, man. And that's the thing. It's not even just, you know, him being blitz heavy. It's how, you know, kind of unpredictable he is with them. Um, I, it's a DVOA or it's a football outsider stat, I should say. But he's one of the, the, the Chiefs defense is one of the highest variants of results uh, per week uh, in the league in terms of, you know, one week they may look great, one week they don't. And I think a lot of that does have to do with just, you know, sometimes the blitzes work, sometimes they get beat, right? Um, you know, when you're that blitz heavy. And, and I do think this year there is a chance maybe they, they can kind of rely on that pass rush a little more, but it's in his blood, man. And you're right. You see Chanel out there. Even guys like Willie Gay and Nick Bolton are, are both excellent, you know, shooting the gap, you know, finding a, a player and making the tackle. You know, he, ha- he has a lot of good options that he's blitzing. And then you mentioned, or you also, you know, factor in like a Legereus Need off the edge, even Justin Reed coming down, you know, Brian Cook, obviously the rookie third safety. He seems to have earned that role so far as the dime safety, which we saw Daniel Sorensen play a lot last year. And what did Sorensen do a lot? Blitz. So I, I do think Cook has a chance to be kind of a weapon in the blitz game as well. So he has he has so many pieces. He's he, he's going to definitely you know be Sam Spags and, and definitely use it to his advantage. Um, but when you're talking about a division, you know, with all these quarterbacks in it now, it, it is something where you may you may think about, especially in those division games, you know, kind of you know maybe hanging and, and kind of letting the pass rush do thing in terms of up front because you know good quarterbacks the more you blitz them the more you the more you'll beat you that's why no one ever blitzes Patrick Mahomes right last question here for uh Ron Cobb from Arrowhead Pride I want to talk about Joshua Williams and as much as I think everyone is very excited about a guy like Trent McDuffie I remember dr- third day of the draft me and Bink were on doing the draft show And when they drafted Josh Williams in the fourth round, we were excited because we saw his height. We saw the length and we were like, that guy might actually have a better chance to be an outside corner. And he has shown some of that in camp, though. You can definitely see that he's young and he's going to have some growing to do. Do what do you think his future is as a potential outside corner in this defense? You know, I mean, for him to be, you know, in the spot he is right now, I do think it, it tells you something about the trust he's earned from, from Spagnuolo in terms of the mental process of the, of the game. I mean, he's playing over veterans like Lonnie Johnson, DeAndre Baker right away. So that's one thing impressive, right? But the thing with him is that build that you talk about, man, that gives you such an advantage right away. You know, a guy like Trent McDuffie, I honestly think, could struggle right away just because of his size, right? He's such a he's a more fluid corner, right? you know. Obviously, probably just a better overall playmaker, you know. Obviously, his college resume says so, but you know, not not being able to just have that physical size while you're kind of catching up to the NFL receivers, you know, the talent of them as a rookie, you know, that's where the, you see like a good corner struggle earlier in the career. Joshua Williams has that build that I think does give you an advantage to kind of maybe be more impactful right away. So. All that to say, I, I do, don't be too surprised if Joshua Williams kind of, you know, maybe is even more impactful right away than a guy like Trent McDuffie just because of that that size that kind of just gives him an advantage already. He can already kind of physically hang with receivers. Now he's just got to, you know, work on maybe mentally hanging with them or just the technique of it all, right? But, yeah, I, I really do think there's a high ceiling for him. I mean, if he's already starting at this point, you know, coming from a D2 college, um, I, I do think that's very impressive. 
you know, we do have a long way to go, though. You know, Rashad Fenton's still on PUP. I, you know, the real sign is if he, if Rashad Fenton, you know, returns to the lineup and Williams is still playing over him as that third corner, because that really tells you that it's impressive, man. For a Spags to be trusting a rookie corner from a D2 school to be playing for him over a guy like Rashad Fenton, that's when you really know, uh, okay, we got something special to do potentially. That is lead analyst from Arrowhead Pride, Ron Cop. You can follow him on Twitter at Ron underscore Cop. Ron, thanks for joining us tonight, man. Chris, I appreciate you, man. Anytime. Of course, man. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back in here on the night shift. 610 Sports Radio, the Odyssey app. Special thanks to Ron Kopp from Arrowhead Pride for joining me in the last segment. If you missed it, we will play it again at 8.30 tonight. I thought there was a lot of really, really great insight there from the lead analyst over at AP. Really excited about this Chiefs team this year. I I said this before I had him on. I was like, I, I probably am the most excited for training camp that I've been in a long time just because there's so many questions so many unknowns about this team that we haven't had in years I mean certainly there have been unknowns with the 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 defensive backfield with the linebacking core with the defensive line but now we've got question marks with the receiving core and it's not as if they're devoid of talent it's not as if they're just putting a bunch of scrubs out there it's like who's going to step up and be that guy and We've seen Juju go out there and show that he's got some uh, chemistry with Patrick Mahomes. We've seen Sky Moore go out there and look like he is an NFL receiver right now, which is really hard to do in Andy Reid's system because it generally is not very friendly to young receivers. Generally, it takes them a year or two to kind of get acclimated to it. And we've seen veterans come in and struggle a little bit. So, it, I'm really impressed with what I'm seeing from a lot of these guys. MVS has come in and and looked like a, a very good weapon in this offense. And obviously, we know what McColl can do. 
We'll see if he can separate himself from the pack because I really do think that Sky Moore could overtake him very quickly. Of course, there could be uh, there will be plays that he that they have planned out strictly for McColl because of his dynamic athleticism, his speed, his agility. Um, I I think that, and I, I said this on Sunday with Bink. Like I think that as far as like physical talent goes, I think that McColl is probably the most physically talented receiver they have, but he's not the most skilled receiver they have. Juju's more skilled than he is. MVS is, and it looks like Sky Moore is too. And for me, I feel like there is the potential that he could get passed up. And I hope that the, the, the comeuppance, if you will, of a Sky Moore motivates him to be a more consistent player because he's got so much talent and we just haven't seen him really kind of we've seen him put it together here and there but not in a consistent way it's like it's like your favorite baseball player uh who isn't great all the time but he has great games here and there and you're like oh my god like I I can't you know that guy should be playing every day because he comes in every now and then and, and gets a hit that delivers a, a key run for the for the Royals. That's kind of what he feels like right now. He's a, a player that in situations is great, but consistently isn't great. So, but I hope he 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 proves himself this year because I I like I said I think he's a dynamic talent. So I want to get into the the Royals trade deadline approach. There was a lot of criticism about how the Royals handed the handled the trade deadline yesterday, uh, up until they actually started making trades. Obviously, last week we saw them go out there and make a push to to get Benintendi out. They were in New York. They traded Benintendi to the Yankees while he was still at the team hotel, and it was a little, probably a little awkward for everyone because now you're kind of you're kind of flirting with the enemy a little bit. But nevertheless, they they. Uh, get some good prospects back. I think they got a couple of the Yankees top 30 prospects. So um, that was a, a nice little return on their investment. They are really, they didn't, they didn't give up a whole lot. I mean, I think they, they included Khalil Lee as part of that. And, you know, I, I don't think Khalil Lee is like doing great. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but they certainly wanted to try and, use him to spur a win-now approach, and it didn't work. So they had to move him. This was the last year of his deal. There was no way you are going to be able to retain him, and frankly, I don't know if he'd want to come back to a team that's playing at this level. And then finally, after weeks and weeks of speculation, weeks and weeks of anger from the Royals fandom, he find, we see Whit Merrifield finally get traded after he dissed his teammates saying that he wouldn't get vaccinated for them. And then in an attempt to clarify his comments, went on with Cody, did an interview with Cody and said this. When I look back yesterday and um, read what I had said, I, I instantly knew that what I had said um, didn't come out anywhere like I wanted it to come out, like I was trying to say. Um, I wish I would have caught it in the moment because I could have corrected myself uh, in the moment, but unfortunately it took 
me actually reading my quote to see how it's it's perceived um, what I said. And he basically just said the same thing that he said before, but nicer. Hey, I wasn't just in the city, but I won't get vaccinated for this team. And it was funny because who did he get traded to? I remember I, I, I had put my phone down. I was like, oh, the Royals aren't going to make a deal at the trade deadline. I was like, whatever. I'll just go do something else. And I come back to my phone like five minutes after the deadline yesterday. Whit Merrifield got traded to the Toronto Blue Jays. The team he actively tried not to play because he didn't want to get vaccinated. <laughs> he got traded to the team he's going to have to get vaccinated to play for. Now, they are a playoff contender. So, you know, hey, he gets his wish. You know, go out and, and play for a playoff contending team. So, you know, he probably gets vaccinated, I think. I, I don't think that trade happens if they don't get some assurance from from Whitley's camp that he's going to go get his his shots here. No, they didn't do it on purpose. But I don't think they did either. They, they they didn't do it on purpose. No, I but don't think they did. Still funny to think like they did. I will say Take that. that. <laughs> I will say I I agree with you. I do not think this was purposeful. I think they the the Blue Jays just gave him the best offer, which is surprising considering his vaccination status. I will say this though, it is a perfect moment of poetic justice because now he has to if he wants to play playoff baseball. It's like it's like in the movie where the the villain Doesn't get a choice this time. Yeah, it's yeah. like when the villain gets what they want, but it turns out not to be ex- what they like exactly what they didn't. Monkey's really paw situation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's it. Seems like that's you know, be careful what you wish for type situation. That's what it seems like with them. And I will say this, man. I know that the Royals did not want to trade him. They did not want to trade him at all. Here's JJ Piccolo earlier today. He was on with uh, he was on with uh, Cody and Gold, and he had this to say about the Royals. Uh, the Royals, if they felt any real urgent need to trade him after his comments, no. And I think our actions um, show how it did not. Um, we could have probably moved. Wit pretty quickly, but we felt like Wit's value was that that we should wait to get the best return that we could, and it really came down to the last hour or so before we were able to land on a deal that we were happy with. And I agree with them because if the Royals had felt forced to, they'd have done it. They'd have done it that Friday, like myself and pretty much everyone was calling for them to do. I think we all agreed, hey, you cannot bring this guy back when he just dissed his teammates in the locker room by saying he wouldn't go and do everything he could to play with them. Like, believe me, I think we were all calling for that. But it made sense why they wouldn't do it because they didn't want to lose too much leverage in trade negotiations. You've already lost some leverage in negotiations because Witt's hitting 240 right now. And that means that... You can only leverage him so much because it's like, oh, well, he's a he's a great defender and you know he's a great base runner, but you know he can't hit the way he used to. Used to be a two seventy seven hitter, two eighty hitter. You know, three seasons ago he was over three hundred. This year he's two forty. You know, he's not anything special at the plate, and he started a lot colder and he has worked his way up into the mid twos, but. He definitely has not been what he used to be. And as he gets older, 
I don't think we can expect him to get back to that point he was a few years ago. So they already had lost a lot of leverage in trading him. So it made perfect sense why they wouldn't rush to trade him after he alienated many of his teammates with the things that he said. And J.J. Piccolo also was asked about the situation with Toronto. Is he going to get vaccinated? And I think that this was a pretty interesting quote from J.J. in regards to the whole transaction with the Blue Jays. The extent of our conversation with Witt and his vaccination status ended uh, when we were going to Toronto uh, because it didn't affect us. The conversations that we had with Toronto, I'm going to keep them private. Um, there's, There's no need for me to talk about a player that's with another team right now when it comes to something like that. That's something that they'll have to work through together. Um, but, um, you know, it, it's something that's really not any of our business right now. And we'll let, we'll let them clear that up. Yeah, I, I believe that this was a deal that would not happen if there was no assurance that he was going to get vaccinated. I I just don't see a team. We know how sports teams are. They are very, very cautious about every aspect when it comes to medical, when it comes to mental, when it comes to behavioral, when it comes to, to physical. They are so cautious about everything. If there's any kind of red flag Teams are a lot of times hands off. We saw that. We see it in football all the time. I mean, Larry Tunsil dropped a few spots because a video of him, you know, taking a few hits out of a gas ba- gas mask bong uh, worried some teams that he might not be a responsible player. Uh, we, I mean, we've seen it here with the Chiefs. Uh, Justin Houston dropped to a third round pick because he tested positive for weed at the at the combine when he went. We saw Trey Smith fall into the sixth round because when he was a sophomore at Tennessee, he had, uh, I think he had uh, blood clots. He had a blood clot issue. And because of the potential for uh, a recurrence of that medical issue, his stock dropped. But these teams are always going to be cautious about things like that. I do not believe for a second that they would have made this deal if they thought there was any chance whatsoever that he was not going to be able to play. Think about how far we've come. Sorry to cut you off, but think about how far we've come from 2015. Yeah. Remember when that Laramie Tunsil story broke? That was hilarious. People thought like it was the end of the world. I felt bad for him, man. I felt bad for him too. Everyone was like, is he going to get drafted? He's going to drop off the face of the planet? Because I think it was like the top rated tackle in that draft class. That was just seven years ago. And a video like that was like potentially a career alterer. Yeah. I mean, it cost him money. It cost him probably like a couple million dollars because he dropped a few picks. But and, he got it back. But he got it back because he got <laughs> overpaid by the Texans because because yeah. Bill O'Brien's a, a terrible coach slash general manager. So he did get it back and he made it. He made a lot more. He got the Texans out a lot of money. But yeah, I mean, it's just amazing how like seven years ago something like that ruined his draft stock, and now like they don't even. I don't even think they punish no guys blinks. for it anymore. Yeah, they don't I mean, care anymore. Yeah. So it's just, it's hilarious to me that that shift has happened so quickly. But yeah, I mean, teams are so cautious about it. I guarantee you he's, he, he's going to get vaxxed if he hasn't already gotten that shot. I think right now the Blue Jays are playing in the U.S., so they don't have to worry about 
him his entry right now, but but it, it has to be two weeks since you get right, the shot, right? So he's so even if he took it yesterday, as soon as he got traded, he's not going to be able to go to Canada for a couple weeks. Yeah. So like, I mean, good luck. I, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> I mean, is he, he going to stay? I know he has a house here in Kansas City, so I assume he's, is he going to stay here when the team goes back to Canada? Dude, I don't know. Man, it's no idea. I just I just find it, it seriously. I, like I said, I agree with you. I don't think it was something that they intended to happen. I don't think that they were like we're gonna we're gonna trade this dude over to to the Blue Jays since he want to not play for us. But it is very much poetic justice that he got moved to a team where he has to be vaccinated to play for. Coming up next, I tell you why I think the Chiefs have handled their edge edge situation so much better than I think people give them credit for. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Back in here on the night shift. 610 Sports Radio. The Odyssey app. Christian O'Shea, Grant Nicholson. One of the biggest concerns about this Chiefs team going into training camp was the was was the pass rush. We've been talking about it the entire time. And I remember I came on here back in March when the league year started and all these teams started handing out the bags to all the the great edge rushers out there. They was passing out this money. And we were sitting here like, okay, so what are the Chiefs going to do? Who are they going to give money to to rush the quarterback for them? And they weren't passing out money like the Raiders, like the Bills, like the Broncos, like the uh, like the Chargers. They weren't doing any of that. They were watching other teams that were going to try to impede their path to going to another Super Bowl do that thing. And we were, I I know I came on and I was confused by it. And, you know, I'm generally a guy who's uh, in Veach we trust. 
But even I had to be like, okay, what the hell is Veach doing? What is Andy doing? So all throughout the offseason, I've been very much like, okay, the Chiefs, they, they got to they gotta have some plan. They've got to figure something out because all these other teams are loading up to try to hurt Patrick Mahomes. And you've got Frank Clark and you got Chris Jones on the interior of the defensive line. And then you got Mike Dana. And I like Dana, but you know, Dana's like, you want Dana to be like a good rotational guy. You want Dana to be uh, uh, your third or fourth best edge rusher. You don't want him to be your, your second best. Like he's good as a rotational guy. And it was sad when at one point last year, Dana was leading the team in sacks with like two and a half or three after a few games into the season. That was very disappointing. Uh, and and it showed you just how disappointing a guy like Chris Jones and a guy like Frank Clark were performing at the time. But the Chiefs, they had a plan. And first off, they went out there and they got George Karloff, this 30th overall, which, I mean, let's be honest here. Nobody expected that. Nobody thought they were going to be able to get Karloff this at 30. Save for, like, one guy from, like, CBS – uh, CBS Sports, I think he mocked Karloftis to the Chiefs at 30. But everyone else had Karloftis going in like the top 15, maybe even top 10. Like Karloftis was a guy that was highly touted in that draft class. And, you know, he fell a little bit because some people were kind of critical of his arm length and there were just other edge rushers that jumped up ahead of him. Um, you know, Thibodeau was a guy that was questionable, but a lot of people still liked um, Trayvon Walker was a guy that people liked. I think Aiden Hutchinson was considered the top guy. So it was actually surprising that he was the second edge rusher taken. Um, but there were certainly, there were certainly a lot of people that thought he would go much higher than he did. And the chiefs got very lucky for him falling to them at 30. But I do think the chiefs would have drafted an edge rusher in the first round. They were just lucky. They didn't have to trade up to go do it. And then last week, the chiefs go out there and make what was a really, really smart deal going out and grabbing former uh, Bengals and Seahawks edge rusher Carlos Dunlap, uh, also Florida, former uh, Florida Gator, chomp, chomp. And I was so happy for this. I think there were people talking about he was at like Jack Stack and Lee Summit before he, uh, before, you know, I, I think it was before or after he was doing his workout. I hope it was after he was doing his workout because if you, you know, try to eat barbecue before you work out, and that's a terrible decision. But I know that there was a lot of excitement when we heard that Dunlap was in town and then he signs a one year, $8 million deal with the team late last week. Uh, I believe it reported today. I need to, I need to check that for sure. But I, what we were hearing was that he was going to report to camp today and probably practice Thursday. So we'll, we'll certainly uh, see about that. But what the chiefs have done with their Ezra situation is what a lot of teams have been doing which is instead of paying a guy a bunch of money who is probably never going to like earn, like be worth all the money that you're paying him over long term, let's go out and let's find a 30 something edge rusher that can, doesn't have to be elite, but can go and get us like seven to nine sacks and be a consistent force, rotational guy, maybe uh, at worst. But if we can get at least like, if we can get at least five and hopefully up to like nine, 
that's perfect for us. And that's what Dunlap brings to you. He's cheap because it's only going to be $8 million, which is not not that much for an edge rusher. He's It's only a one-year deal, so if he falls off, you're not committed to him. And he's a rotational guy. He's not going to get in the way of Karloftis. He's not going to take a bunch of snaps from Karloftis. He's not taking a bunch of snaps from, from Frank, though, to be honest. I think a lot of people want him to because last year he had, I think, eight sacks, which would have been second on the team behind Chris Jones because uh, Frank had like four and a half. So there's a lot of people that, that want him to be one of the, if not the best edge rusher. And he certainly has the potential to be because he, he's, a, he's a great talent and he's been playing in the league for a long time and has been effective in the league for a long time. Very quietly so, too, because you, you haven't heard a whole lot about him, mainly because he played most of his career in Cincinnati. And they were not that good during that time period, aside from like making the playoffs and then losing in their first playoff game. But this is the kind of situation that the Chiefs can really maximize the, the value that they have because they don't have to pay a bunch of money like all these other teams were doing. Like Buffalo paid Von Miller six years, 120. 51 million of that is guaranteed. He had nine and a half sacks last year, which is one and a half more than what Dunlap had. And that guy went out in, in, his, in his mid-30s. I think he's like 33 going on 34. And is making $51 million guaranteed, 120 overall on a six-year deal. Like, that's just ridiculous for a, an edge rusher in his 30s. Uh, Randy Gregory, five years, 70 from the, from the Broncos. Chandler Jones, a guy who I really wanted. Um, three years, 51. A little bit more manageable, but again, he's well in his 30s as well. You're seeing these guys start to get... Uh, in their 30s, starting to get more playing time. Their careers are lasting longer because there's some value in being able to bring in a veteran guy that can be a rotational edge rusher. The Chiefs kind of dabbled in that in 2019 when they went and got uh, Terrell Suggs uh, after the uh, Cardinals waived him because he didn't want to be there anymore. And Suggs helped them out late in the season when they really could use some help because the edge rushers that they had brought into the season started getting hurt. Alex Okafor got hurt in the middle of the season. Emmanuel Ogba, which who would have been really nice to keep after uh, what he's done in Miami, Ogba got hurt, and he was, I think, like five sacks before he got hurt. So they, they were pretty thin at edge rush, and then they went out and got Terrell Suggs, and he helped them out late in the season. The Chiefs don't need to spend big at, at edge rusher uh, for a while, they can continue to kind of do these one-year rentals, if you will, and then hopefully Karloftis turns into an elite caliber edge rusher, and then maybe at that point it'll make it easier for them to kind of do this rotational thing. But I, I think that they've handled it much better than we give them credit for, and I'm really impressed with the way that this defensive line is shaping up going into the the beginning of the preseason here, because. It certainly looks like a much more predictable part of the defense than we would have expected two weeks ago. So I want to coming up next. I want to get into Frank Clark and how he did something that I think we ask athletes, coaches, front office members to do all the time, but they rarely do. And I was impressed. And I'll tell you what that is next. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Back in here on the night shift. 610 Sports Radio, the Odyssey app, Christian O'Sara, Grant Nicholson. So I talked a lot in the last segment about how I think the Chiefs have actually like quietly handled their edge rush situation pretty well because they went and got a guy in Carlos Dunlap who uh, I think may end up being their best pass rusher this year. We'll see. I mean, he's he certainly got a, a shot. He had eight sacks, I think, last year. So uh, definitely a rotational guy. You know, we'll we'll see how that works out there. Um, certainly, Spags will have some options as far as who he who he puts where. But one of the more important aspects of uh, what happens with this edge rush is with Frank Clark. Frank Clark is kind of been the franchise guy as an edge rusher for the team. They, they moved a first-round pick in order to get him from the Seahawks. They paid him a bunch of money, over $100 million over five years. Um, and he's really been much maligned, and, and deservedly so, because he has not performed up to the level that he's been paid and what he did when he was in Seattle. He has very much been someone that... I think we certainly appreciated what he did during that playoff run when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl because he did make some clutch plays at the end of games to help this team secure wins that they needed to secure. But still, um, you would expect someone with his level of talent, with his level of pay, to go out there and perform much better than what he has. And here's Frank Clark talking about how and the interaction that he and Andy Reid had in the offseason about his performance. I mean, it was flat out. He was like, I know what type of player you are. You know what type of player you are. You didn't show that this season. Flat out. You know what I'm saying? I understand that. Man, man Coach Reid, we very real. You know, Coach Reid from East Los Angeles. I'm from South Central. It's the same thing. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, we going to keep it real with each other. We West Coast boys. We L.A. boys. So at the end of the day, I understand. I relate. We relate fine. You know, perfectly fine with each other. We both have to work hard to get you know, wasn't nothing easy in life. So at the end of the day, you know, I come in last year. I'm going through what I'm going through, but at the end of the day, I still have a job to do. And I didn't come. In, I didn't do my job like I should have, in my opinion, to my capability. You know, and, and some people's opinion that's average. That's average year. You know, that's the, I watch the average players get five sacks or whatever in a year. But in my, in, to my, you know, standard, that's not good enough. And obviously, to my coaches, and I appreciate him for that for holding me to that standard. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that from him going out and, and saying, hey, you know, me and coach had a candid talk. He told me I didn't live up to my standard. I agreed with it. And I, I, I should and can do better. And I appreciate that. Because all that we hear all the time here at 610, whenever the local teams are not performing up to snuff or a player is not performing up to snuff, we hear accountability. Who's going to be held accountable? 
uh, you know, coaches got to do something. Players got players got to get their head out of their ass, whatever, you know, all the cliched stuff. And we don't see it because that's obviously, I mean, not Andy Reid's not going to go on, on, you know, TV here. and They're not going to put it on the franchise where Andy Reid has a sit down with, uh, with Frank Clark and tells him, Hey man, you didn't perform up to snuff. Like, you know, you're not going to get that on TV because none of these players, none of these teams want that out there. The coaches don't want that. Those sort of conversations being recorded like that. So it, we're not, we're, there's only a, there's a limit to how much we're actually going to get out here. But I, I have so much respect for someone openly talking about, Hey, I, 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 this team deserves better from me. I can do better and I'm going to go out here and I'm going to, to do that. And he, he did talk about the steps that he took to try to improve his performance from the last few seasons. One of the main things, um, is just, I cut a lot of red meat out. Um, I stopped drinking liquor. So like alcohol is a big factor, you know what I mean? And a lot of things as far as weight, that gut, a lot of things, at times a lot of fat, it's all sugar. So at the end of the day, I stopped drinking liquor about um, right after the season, honestly. It was like February. I had got sick. You know, I'd be having stomach problems and stuff, gastrointestinal problems. So um, I haven't had any since I stopped drinking liquor. And it kind of started making more sense, you know. As I'm going on, I'm training. You know, I feel my body is responding to me. I'm able to get up. I'm able to work out all times of day, all times of night. You know, um, and so, you know, that's really, it was a commitment I made. I, I can concur with uh, with Frank Clark that alcohol do be doing numbers on you. I got stomach problems, too, because I got acid reflux. And, uh, yeah, if I drink alcohol, especially if I drink a little bit too much, oh, I feel it the next day. It slows me down. I uh, Last Friday, I went out for uh, one of my girlfriend's friend's birthdays. We went to Third Street Social down just south of the plaza. And uh, then we went to Prime Social, where all the rich people hang out in the city. And uh, we ordered like a $60 bottle of Prosecco. And we dr- I had like three glasses out of it. The next morning, Saturday morning, when I had to go to training camp, I was dying. I was feeling it. Apparently, you're not supposed to drink that much Prosecco because it's like sparkling wine, carbonated, very bubbly. And uh, I, I was feeling it. I was feeling those bubbles in my, in my gut the next day. It was hurting. So I can feel I can feel you on that, Frank Clark. I, I certainly don't plan on drinking a whole lot anytime soon because uh, that certainly got to me. So I, I'm glad that Frank Clark is cutting that out of his life, cut out the red meat, making some healthy decisions. And I hope that he goes out and has a year that we expect him, or we hope that he has, have, having one of those years that he had when he was with uh, the, the Seahawks because this team could use a performance like that with him. Coming up next. We get back into the Deshaun Watson uh, talk, and I tell you why the NFL had, they absolutely have to get a much, much deeper suspension out of him than what they got. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. 
There's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.